Hello, and welcome to another edition of Shirenomics. My name is Jonathan Cooper, and I'm the Community and Economic Development Specialist at the Bennington County Regional Commission. And I'm Matt Harrington, the Executive Director of the Southwestern Vermont Chamber of Commerce. And like we do in most of our shows, this is going to be the first five minutes, just kind of a download of what we're working on or what we're what we think is interesting happening in the region of Southwestern Vermont, or what we call affectionately the Shires of Vermont. Uh, and so I guess it's my turn to start this show. And uh, and just as I mentioned in my title intro, Southwestern Vermont Chamber of Commerce, uh, we, we had taped last time, and it was just around that time that we had made the announcement uh, that the Bennington Chamber of Commerce, or what would uh, become Bennington Regional Chamber of Commerce, probably fit the region a little bit better uh, if we changed the name on that. And so on January 31st of 2020, at our annual meeting, we introduced to our full membership uh, the new name of the chamber, which better represented the full 17 town region of southwestern Vermont. Uh, and so this is going to be a, a, a year of road shows. I just got uh, back from one in Dorset where we had people not only from Dorset, but outside of Dorset really uh, coming to us and having a, a great conversation around what they see as a need and opportunity mm-hmm. in the region and where perhaps a southwestern Vermont chamber could help. Uh, so we're going to be doing roadshows throughout the county over the, the next year, really hearing from member and non-member alike, hearing from communities, um, and so uh, really trying to figure out, um, you know, what, what does the chamber of tomorrow look like? like to you and where do we add a benefit to that? And, and I think at the very least, what well, we hear time and time again, both uh, pre-Southwestern Vermont Chamber and, and even post is uh, the connection part of that, that, that we're paying into a membership uh, and in, into an organization that kind of threads the needle through uh, various narratives, whether that's economic development or tourism or community development. Uh, and so if we can be that, that partner, that advocate, that connector, or even that catalyst, uh, that's what we want to do at the chamber. And so that's that's what's exciting for us these these recent days. Very cool. Some uh, early returns from members. Are they supportive of the name change? It's, yes. Uh, I, think, I think what was great, perhaps somewhat mistakenly on our part, but uh, we had been on, uh, since 2017, our mm-hmm. 2020 vision. So we had really warmed up both membership and community alike, mm-hmm. uh, I think, to the notion. And so by the time we announced it, <laughs> the feedback, which is actually better feedback than what we could have gotten was, mm-hmm. well, it's about time. And that's, of course, what you want to hear in any change initiative is, this should have happened yesterday, and, and I'm, I'm happy to be slow to the to the take if it means uh, more embracing of the name. So we're, uh, we've gotten overwhelming support, both in emails and phone calls, and just seeing our members out in the region. Very excited. You know, I think it was a big move for this 109-year-old organization to move away from Bennington in its in its name. Uh, we didn't take it lightly. We did a lot of uh, discussion points with our board and with our staff and with members, uh, all leading into really dissolving that Bennington chamber and re-emerging as a southwestern Vermont chamber. A lot of work still to be done, um, but like I said, we're, we're we're, we're, we were up in Dorset uh, this morning. We're here in Sunderland now. Mm-hmm. So we are, with our best effort, we are trying to be region-wide. And actually, uh, so happy 109th birthday. And that puts me in mind of a few other big birthdays that are upcoming or have uh, happened in recent years. Looking forward to Mac Molding's 100th birthday. Yes, the, congratulations. Congratulations to them on 100 great years. Looking forward to 100 more. Want to see what the Kendalls have up their sleeve for uh, next week's surprise. I hear it. Yeah, it's a big one. <laughs> it's going to be big. Seven, 75 was a big one. It was like a <laughs> Disney right. World trip or something. Yeah. Disneyland, it right? A, it was a big one. Yeah. So this is going to be big as well. So I'm sure everyone there is looking very forward to that. Uh, 
uh, put me in mind, though, of a couple other birthdays in the last few years. Uh, the Church Insurance Group recently, yep. recently reached their 100th uh, birthday or anniversary, as did the Bank of Bennington. So there's some uh, deep roots in this community with some of our you know, employers of choice, Signal employers, and so you just want to congratulate them on um, a century of success. Looking forward to the next Do century. you ever wonder, like, 100 years ago, what, what they even were building with? Like, was there horse-drawn <laughs> things carrying yeah. the Bank of Bennington to its current glory? Like, <laughs> the wood slab? I mean, just think about it. Yeah. I, I've heard long heard stories mm-hmm. of of boys being on the top of the the public house barn, having to raise the the telephone wires so the barn could be rolled down Harwood Hill oh on lumber logs yeah. to its current spot. So we'd have to check in with Steve Bryant <laughs> if he knows any of the current history on the, the public house. The insurance rates might have been a little challenging yeah. back then. Yeah. Um, what about you, John? What are you well, excited about? Top of mind for me is something that I think some of you maybe have seen in the newspapers recently, and and Gina elsewhere, uh, as Manchester continues its pivot to sports tourism. I think it's something that's worth celebrating and, and talking about a little bit. Um, in this instance, it was Black Rock Football Club that'll sort of have um, a few weeks or months in residence um, in Manchester uh, at Applejack Fields. And this is um, a really good complement to the existing sort of retail tourism that exists there and also expanding the shoulders of that um, recreation season. We have the Vermont Summer Festival up in the North Shire. There's the Stratton Mountain School and a whole lot of other competitive skiing in uh, the Bromley Stratton region, as well as um, the snowshoe championships down in the South Shire. So I think this is this move will pay off. I think it'll give people some great exposure to Manchester, the North Shire's hospitality sector, but also give some families an opportunity to think about as they're as they're watching their students or their their children who are students at Middlebury, UMass Amherst, BU, Dartmouth, etc., coming up for some of those uh, summer and spring soccer series, lacrosse games. I think it'll give a lot of families a chance to think about maybe the next phase uh, mm-hmm. when the college years are done, um, or perhaps uh, making a move more imminently. And that's, I think, um, a, a decision that I know the town didn't take lightly, but I want to sort of applaud the leadership there. I think that that's going to go a long way for them. Well, and I think it's going to be interesting for two economic guys to be watching mm-hmm. this pivot that's been happening. You know, uh, Manchester wasn't always the Manchester we know of today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, 80s and 90s, we saw the, the emergence of the, the Halbins and people like that, mm-hmm. that were embracing mm-hmm. that outlet structure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we see this uh, slight pivot, mm-hmm. and, and it'd be interesting to follow that through if we're back here in 10 years talking about what a pivot pivotal pivot that was, mm-hmm. uh, and good, as you mentioned, good leadership by by O'Keefe and, and the others at that table mm-hmm. um, to see perhaps uh, putting another, you know, I always mention it's the arrows in the quiver, mm-hmm. and, and I'd rather have more arrows than less arrows, right. so, um, you know, it's okay to have kind of both worlds, too. For sure. Yeah, no need to choose between the two. Um, well, that's sort of top of mind for the both of us. We'll be back in just a moment with Dr. Joshua Sherman of Old Mill Road Recording and Old Mill Road Media. So stick with us. We'll see you back in a moment. Thank you. All right. Well, we're back here at Shironomics, and joining us today is Dr. Joshua Sherman, who has a, a, an amazing background. I think the reason we have him on the show today is all the work that he's doing in Arlington and really mm-hmm. throughout the region, and, and maybe even an argument could be all throughout Vermont. Uh, Joshua, give us just a, a kind of a glimpse of the background. I mean, you, you, you've, you've obviously got a doctor in front of your name. Uh, I know you're a performing artist. Uh, you've got a media studio at uh, Old Mill Road Media, and I think we're also going to talk about mm-hmm. Old Mill Road Recording as well. So just a wealth of, of stuff that's happening in Arlington. Uh, give us a little bit of that background. Sure. Uh, well, thanks for having me on the show. Um, th- 
my background is that my mom is an Emmy award-winning lyricist and playwright. My aunt's a composer, so I grew up in the world of theater and music. And uh, I, from a young age, I saw them developing new works, and I very much enjoyed that. I was trained in really all of the arts, so piano, saxophone, drawing, sculpture, painting, uh, tap, ballroom, jazz, ballet, you name it every day. I told you. I was, I was, I was groomed in the arts. Uh, we often joke it was like Mickey and Judy at the MGM <laughs> Uh, no drugs involved. And, um, but what happened was uh, my father's a physician, and so I always loved the sciences. I loved outdoors. I was never interested in medicine itself, um, but I loved um, fossils and earth science, really. Um, and uh, when uh, I went to school in New York City, I started very young, and I was very lucky to have uh, a series of mentors within the arts who were really legends in the field. Um, the caricaturist Al Hirschfeld from the New York Times, um, these Broadway and film designers, Tony Walton, who designed Mary Poppins, all that jazz, uh, Oscar Tony Emmy winning, uh, Willa Kim, uh, who uh, did all these legendary uh, uh, works of theater and dance. And so at a young age, I was the kid. It was really an old school apprentice where I was scooped up and really uh, groomed. And um, uh, I was in my last year, and meanwhile I was in college, and in my last year I had this moment uh, where I got a letter from the registrar who said, if you want to graduate, you have to take uh, a 100-level science course. And I took a six-week course in nutrition, and I saw that all of these... Uh, I, I asked a question in class, mm-hmm. and uh, it, I realized that all of these skills that I had developed in the arts were really the same skills used mm-hmm. in medicine. Communication skills, listening skills, being able to ask questions, attention to detail, research and history, uh, sort of enjoying history and research. Um, And I had this funny moment, uh, really from the problem-solving aspect. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was truly a legally blonde moment where I thought I could be a doctor. (laughs) And then, and then I, I, and so I went to the head of the science department. I started taking the courses, Mm -hmm. uh, to get into medical school and, uh, attended Stony Brook University on Long Island. I was there for both medical school and residency. And in the meantime, that's when I shifted from designing on Broadway Mm -hmm. to producing. Because when you're a designer, you're working on six, seven projects at once Mm -hmm. when you are, uh, actual, um, but, but the schedule is not yours. You don't determine any of that. But as a producer, I could work on projects independently. And particularly, I love developing new works because I grew up in a house where new works were being developed. And so I attended, um, so I started producing new musicals. And of course, the first thing people ask is, oh, what's the music like? And that's how I got into the music studio and met Ben Arendelle, who's our in-house Grammy-winning engineer at Old Mill Road Recording. And so for the last 20 years, he and I have been collaborating. Jumping ahead... Because, like you said, there's a lot of history there. In 2009, I moved to southern Vermont. I'd been coming here since I was a kid, and there were these mentors of mine, Pat and Fred Carmichael, who are well-known to uh, Dorset and uh, really created the Caravan Players, which was the precursor of the Dorset Players. And um, the uh, uh, Bill Opperly and so many others here in southern Vermont, uh, I was sitting around a breakfast table with them, and they said, oh, you know, they're looking for doctors in Bennington. I said, yeah, 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 you just want to have a young doctor around. And the whole group said, yes. And so... So, so I moved here on a one-year contract and started working at the hospital in Bennington, and uh, it was a wonderful experience working, doing internal medicine and critical mm-hmm. care. Um, it's a wonderful community hospital. And um, uh, over time, I uh, started I, – initially, I was producing in New York still, mm-hmm. and – doctoring up here. And it was a week there, a week here, a week there, a week here. And that got really exhausting. And I thought, well, I'm the producer. Why am I killing myself going down there? Why not produce up here? There's such an amazing arts community and so many industry people in Southern Vermont. So I produced 
a new healthcare uh, show pilot. I did uh, a series of mini musicals. I was producing a lot, but what I found was is that the infrastructure was not in place to really churn out content. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're able to produce a show because GNET has this available to you mm-hmm. as a studio that, uh, with cameras, mm-hmm. with staffing. Um, but the truth is, if you don't have an infrastructure to do high quality content, mm-hmm. um, you need the people, you need the locations, you need the talent. And the main thing that we really needed was great sound. Mm-hmm. And, um, I found myself, no matter how good the project was, I still had to go to the city for pre-production or post-production audio. And that's how I, so in 2013, I took a pause from producing up here because I saw that it wasn't sustainable without Mm -hmm. a hub for collaboration. And that brings us to Old Mill Road. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd been going to, uh, most people know the grist mill uh, from 1764 Mm -hmm. in East Arlington. Most people know it as the candle mill Mm -hmm. Uh, for, you know, 47 years. It was a major tourist destination, similar to the Vermont country store. And, um, uh, uh, and Simon Pierce up north. And what happened was um, uh, East Arlington was really a beautiful town that was somewhat in slumber, mm-hmm. and um, but no one messed with it. You know, there wasn't a McDonald's or a gas station right in the middle of town. It was still very beautiful and romantic, mm-hmm. and it was a place that I'd loved since I was a kid. Uh, our holiday cards every year showed a picture of me and my sister. Growing up every year, we took photos <laughs> by the river. And um, so in 2014, I purchased the original mill um, along with two of its corresponding buildings. And the mill was built by Remember Baker, and he was first mm-hmm. cousins with Ethan Allen and Seth Warner. And so this was a revolutionary place for where the revolutionaries met with great ideas. And um, it seemed to be sort of the beginning of this larger vision for creating um, both a media production company mm-hmm. and um, uh, and an actual production facility. And so the way I say it is think of Paramount Pictures and Paramount Studios. Sure. One supports the other, mm-hmm. and really, that's where Old Mill Road and Old Mill uh, Old Mill Road Recording and Old Mill Road Media sort of come together mm-hmm. as sort of a destination for mm-hmm. creatives. So, so you mentioned Old Mill Road Media. Let's talk also a little bit about that as well. Sure. Um, so, in your I guess suite of publications that currently Old Mill Road Media uh, operates and produces and distributes, uh, we've got um, the Manchester Life. We've got Stratton Magazine. We've got uh, Vermont Magazine, uh, which was just purchased last year. Correct. Uh, and and the Vermont News Guide as well. So talk to us a little bit about, uh, I guess, first, what each one of those kind of does for you in your in your suite of, of publications, and then maybe some of the direction you see them going as. I know some were, were birthed out of this concept, and then some were uh, purchased, and, and you're giving some redirection and some new artistic creativity in some of them. So give us a little bit of that. Sure. I think in order to put that in context, I just want to take one quick step back. Um, The larger vision is that there are really four arms to Old Mill Road Mm -hmm. media and recording and sort of the whole Old Mill Road brand. That the first arm is spaces for development and collaboration where artists and creatives can develop new Mm -hmm. ideas. Then there's a pipeline to production. By having a full-scale production Mm -hmm. facility in East Arlington, it allows us to produce high-quality content of all varieties. From there, the next hurdle is typically after, okay, so you've produced something, how do you get it distributed? And then from there, distribution is completely dependent on promotion. Mm -hmm. And so those are really the four arms. And that's where Old Mill Road Media with the four current four publications really come into play Mm -hmm. in that it's not just about 
showcasing what we're doing. It's really about showcasing Vermont. Sure. And you know, I, t- I tell I tell our team the whole. Uh, regularly, um, Vermont is the brand. That is what we are selling. And so, um, and there are different target demographics with each one of those. Mm. So Manchester Life is a once a year tourism guide that really showcases Manchester and its surrounding areas. And, um, and uh, it's uh, available for anyone who's visiting here. And it's really geared towards tourism. Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, uh, then we've got Vermont Magazine. When we bought Vermont Magazine, which has been around for 30 years and uh, was a beautiful publication, mm-hmm. but one of the things that I said to our team was we need to decide, is Vermont Magazine, once again, sort of a tourism brochure, mm-hmm. or is Vermont Magazine something that sort of encompasses Vermont today? Mm-hmm. And you know, I said, think of the New Yorker magazine. If you're in New York, it's the go-to guide. Mm-hmm. And it's not about tourism. It certainly helps tourists. But also, if you're in the middle of Kansas, mm-hmm. but you're from New York, you connect with it in a way that makes you feel like it embodies your place, your home. And that's what we are really hoping to do with Vermont Magazine. Over the last year, we've been working with a wonderful team of uh, Vermonters really trying to capture how do we both um, remain true to the traditional sense of Vermont, covered bridges, maple syrup, all those things, that the, be- the beautiful scenery, all those things that people love, mm-hmm. while also... Um, actually showcasing the young entrepreneurs, some of the redevelopments of the different buildings and towns, uh, the reinvention of all of these mm-hmm. old spaces so that you're really connecting both history and the present day. And so that's what we're really building with Vermont Magazine, both as the brand for Vermont mm-hmm. and Vermonters, mm-hmm. but then also outside of Vermont, people can connect to it. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, Stratton Magazine, it's a beautiful luxury magazine that's really focused on the, it's for, of course, the locals, but also the second homeowners, yeah. New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, who come up for their destination weekends and, and uh, seasonally. Um, but uh, it's, uh, you know, a wonderful relationship with Stratton that's and, right. um, and that's longstanding. Yeah. Um, and then um, uh, last but certainly not least is the news guide. Um, I have to tell you that the, those same people who convinced me to come to Vermont uh, for, uh, you know, that, the, to be a doctor, mm-hmm. They used to send me the news guide every week before I would come to Vermont to, so I would know what was going on. So the fact that like I own the news guide now is really very That's exciting crazy. because as a kid, it was my connection to what's going on. Where's the chicken pie supper that we're going to this weekend? And it's really very community oriented. Um, the news guide is something that is free to everyone. Uh, the only cost is if people want it mailed to them. It's essentially the cost of postage, but, um, we really, uh, Love the fact that um, we're that we're remaining community oriented, and it's traditionally been for Southern Vermont, but we're increasingly expanding mm. outside the region because we once again feel that there are a lot of communities that are not being um, recognized, and we want to make sure to be as inclusive as possible. Great, yeah, very cool. That's um, and there's a lot, a lot to that. That the the, the borders that we have from administrative. Um, Perspectives don't really reflect the way the towns are interconnected throughout, you know, our, our mountain ranges or valleys, et cetera. So it's really nice to hear that the, the news guide could sort of be that, uh, that watershed for, for many communities around, around the region and beyond. Um, one of the interesting things that you mentioned in sort of discussing these sort of these four arms it got me thinking about some of the 
profession, some of the, the, the work that goes into all of um, all these productions and all this output. Um, you mentioned Ben. As a, we, we now have a Grammy award-winning producer here in the region. Yep. That's that's extremely exciting. The um, but it got me thinking a little bit about that notion of the recording studio that's there by the stream, by you know, by the brook, and. There's, we have our playhouses, our historic uh, estates and homes and our museums where people can go and consume culture. What you're talking about is a place where people produce cultural elements. And, um, and that it's, it's not that um, unusual to think of it being nestled someplace, that uh, cultural production is not always about the, the big city or the, the studio lots. And so I'd like to hear a little bit about that idea of a, a destination for cultural production. Sure. I mean, uh, you know, Arlington has this incredible history, right? So I already mentioned the revolutionary and the Green Mountain boys who were there at the mill. But the truth is, Arlington has always been a home to creatives. Uh, and from the 1930s to the 1960s, it was not just Norman Rockwell, but five other Saturday Evening Post illustrators. Uh, you had Dorothy Canfield Fisher, who was really the Oprah of her day, uh, creating the Book of the Month Club. And... Uh, uh, and, and Carl Ruggles, Atonal Music, just down the road, Robert Frost, 10 minutes away, Grandma Moses. I mean, so it's, it's really fascinating that this was always a hub for artists for to create and produce and it wasn't necessarily thought of in that way because it wasn't necessarily film or music although with Carl Ruggles it was but the but the truth is is that um that's that's what we're doing you know artists has been a home to creatives and we're just the next generation. I always joke at Star Trek, the next generation. Um, but, but the idea of destination recording studio is, um, that if you're in New York City, if you're in LA, if you're in Atlanta, Georgia, or Nashville, you know, their large studios either don't exist as much as they used to because the studio system has changed, but also there's a lot of pressure. You're essentially uh, booking studio time. There's a knock on the door. Your time mm-hmm. is up. It is not conducive to the creative process. And so the notion of destination recording is something that is um, has been around for a while. I, I, it was really funny when the movie Bohemian Rhapsody came out about a year and a half ago. And, of course, they showed them holed up in a barn in the middle of nowhere, and that's where yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody was created. Well, that's sort of the same idea that we took um, the, these uh, buildings from the 1700s right next door to the mill, right on the river, and created a new... Um, uh, type of destination recording. So we essentially have in-house Grammy-winning engineer. You have a very different vibe. It's not dark and sort of cave-like. It's very light, airy. We have we're right on the river. So when you're creating, you're actually watching the waterfall coming at you. And um, we just won the award for being the sort of the best studio in the world. The Nam Tech Award is literally like the Grammy or Oscar of the uh, studio design industry. So. We really have pristine acoustics, and it's every every artist who comes in uh, really just responds to it in a way saying they've never seen anything like it, and we're very proud of that. And in East Arlington, we're not talking about a very large village. How um, how has it been for you getting to know the neighbors, getting to know the, the village? Obviously, it's not new to you. It's a place where you spent a lot of time growing up. Well, well, it's great. It's really funny because um, you know uh, you may not. I don't know if you remember this, but there was a wonderful restaurant in East Arlington when I was growing up called Phyllis's. And Melanie Allen, who owns the Gourmet Deli, it was her mom. And I've known Melanie since I was twelve because <laughs> they used to have the best chicken and biscuits in town. Sounds like a and, Vermont story. Yeah, yeah Vermont no, Vermont. totally. And uh, and so the truth is when you ask, oh, how is it meeting the neighbors? Mm-hmm. Some of them I've known mm-hmm. for many years. Um, others have been um, 
I think in general, people have been incredibly supportive because they, um, number one, people who are in their 80s and 90s, they were Norman Rockwell models. The notion of artists in the community, it's normal to them. Like, it doesn't feel weird. Uh, and um, I think a lot of people, uh, you know, their kids or grandkids have moved away. They're not interested in the property mm-hmm. and the fact that we've been able to reinvent the town in a way that is respectful of mm-hmm. the both the geography and the history, while also um, bringing some young energy to the town is really exciting to everyone. And we're really proud of that. And we're working with the town to make sure that um, that we maintain good relationships with our neighbors. Just sort of a, a best practices example of what community development and economic development can be working together. Together, Yeah, right. and that's, a, that's really delightful to hear, for sure. Definitely. Well, Dr. Joshua Sherman, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Shironomics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think with that, we'll, we'll close the show. John, any final thoughts for our viewers? See, um, this is another one of these great examples that we've been able to bring onto the show in uh, the recent months, hearing from people that have either new to the community or have been part of the community for decades. And um, this is the sort of economic development and community development that we hope to feature on Shironomics. And so we're so glad that Dr. Sherman took the time to join us today. Another wonderful example of what makes this part of the country a different place. Thank you. Thanks so much.